Amen. Amen. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is week two of Christmas at the movies. And some of you probably wondering, what is going on at this church? Well, we wonder that too sometimes. But let me, uh, let me just show you uh, what, what our theme is about Christmas at the movies. Jesus used something called parables to teach people. And it was uh, an extrapolation of truth from real life because it was easier for him to get kingdom principles into people if he could use something that they understood. So he would talk about fishing or he would talk about planting and sowing and reaping. He would talk about a man who had two sons and those two sons uh, were diametrically opposed to each other. He used real life things to teach his disciples. And today we have modern technology and we have these things called movies. And so we take those movies and we take parts of them and we use them to teach truths, modern day parables, and that's all that we're doing today. So uh, we'll introduce the gospel. We got some surprises this morning, that's right, we're going to keep you on your toes. Uh, we got some things uh, happening this morning that you won't expect, and then it'll just be there, and you'll be like, oh, okay. So this morning, uh, we are going to be taking our, our scripture text from Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, and... Uh, we're going to use this story uh, as the backdrop for the movie that we're going to preview. So Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Everybody say Mary. Hmm? She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said... Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. She asked how. She asked a question. She was presented with an impossible situation, and her response was, how can this happen? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded. She was presented in an impossible situation. She asked the question, how? And her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. See, the angel made a request that is going to change the rest of Mary's life. This is not just a temporary situation. The angel made, made a proposition to Mary that is going to change the rest of Mary's life. And her answer was yes. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and begin with verse 18. And we're going to see what happened when Joseph was presented with the same situation. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Mary was visited by an angel. Joseph was visited by an angel. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he was presented with an impossible situation. And now when he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Joseph was going to divorce her. 
But when the angel presented him with a proposition which was an impossible situation, Joseph said yes. Mary said yes. Joseph said yes. But am I the only one in here this morning that knows sometimes saying yes is hard? As a matter of fact, sometimes it is much, much easier and most of the time more convenient to say no. Most of the time when God wants me to do something, what he's asking me to do is not convenient. I can come up with a million excuses. I'm not going to give you a million this morning, but I am going to share with you some excuses why we don't say yes enough to God. So before I do that, let's introduce this week's movie. little reindeer. My name is Noelle Kringle. Morning, princess. My partridge in a pear tree underwear needs washing. Oh, well, then my Christmas wish has been granted. Christmas runs in my family. My dad was Santa, and now it's my brother Nick's turn to wear the hat. Stocking full of coal if I've ever seen one. He saved a kitten from a tree. Some nice. Will your brother be ready by Christmas? Of course. He's a Kringle. I don't want to do this. No. This is great. This is great. Let it happen. This is not going well at all. Sometimes I dream about getting out. Well, you can't be Santa if you're having a nervous breakdown. You need to get away for the weekend. The first time in 2,000 years, Santa has disappeared. I just said he should take the weekend off. We must have a new Santa. Gabriel, Pringle, me. I'm in the tech department and loving it. What about a rescue mission? Do you mind telling me what you're doing? I'm going to get my brother, and you're coming with me. Stay right where you are. We are looking for Santa Claus. You don't tell anybody who you are. Where are you from? A uh, little town up north. Or where you came from. Sir, it's a privilege to wear that suit. Put some pants on. So naughty. Christmas Eve is less than 48 hours away. This could be the perfect time to start an online delivery platform. We gotta find Santa. For thousands of years, we've jingled bells and delivered toys, and we must make sure nothing changes that. I like your pants, they're jolly. They're yoga pants, like yours. These are my yogurt pants. No, yoga pants. I love yogurt pants. Downward facing reindeer. I said take the weekend, nobody listens to me. Don't do that, please. <gasps> wow, that's a big deal in here. So this week's movie is Noel, and in Noel, uh, Santa has passed away, and his son, Nick, is supposed to take over and become the new Santa Claus. And what the premise of the movie is going to show us, and what I'm going to talk to you about today, is that nobody asked Nick if he wanted to be Santa Claus. They just assumed that he would want to, and they just put the responsibility on him. And sometimes when we feel like we're being put upon, we look for excuses not to do something that's uncomfortable or unreasonable or not convenient. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of excuses that Nick uses to say no. One of them is, it's just too hard. I can't imagine being Santa Claus. But <laughs> he, he says, it's just too hard. And then the next excuse he uses is, I'm not good enough. And finally, it's, this is not the right time. And what I have discovered, and I've met a lot of people in my ministry, we make a lot of these same excuses when our Father asks us to do something. But here's the thing. What our Heavenly Father is asking of us is a lot more important than being Santa Claus. What, what your Heavenly Father is asking of you determines your eternal future. It, it determines not only 
what affects you, but what affects other people, the people you're attached to, the people that are under your, uh, under your family tree. And, and, and people, people that know you and appreciate you and are watching you, they watch how you respond to your father. Your father has demands that he places on your life. And you say, well, what, why would he demand something of me? Well, he's the one that put the air in your lungs. He's the one that created you. He's the one that has fashioned you and shaped you and put you. Acts 17 says that he forms the habitations of our being. That means everything you are and everything that's about you is because God planned you that way. See, people may think that you're a mistake, but there are no mistakes because there's no life without our Father. And our Father knows you and he has called you and he places demands on our life. So when he places uh, some sort of requirement on us, how are we going to answer him so we're going to jump right into the next clip and as we jump into this I, w- I want to introduce to you the characters that we're going to be talking about when I was a little girl Christmas Eve was my favorite night of the year I'd wait up with my brother for Santa. Sometimes we would fall asleep, but I'd be dreaming of presents. I really love presents. Nick, he's here. Stop. Come on, come on. Wake up, wake up. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. A jolly card. I wonder which child made this. Over here! Right here! I caught you! You did! But let's keep it between us because my job depends on not getting caught. Totally get it. So, I see you have some presents. Oh, I do. Um, Have you been naughty or nice this year? In my personal opinion, very nice. Well, let me check my list. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm checking it twice. <laughs> Dad! <laughs> you know I'm nice. <laughs> Give me a hug. <laughs> Jack! You're home! Come here, my boy! <laughs> oh, welcome home, Santa. <laughs> Santa Claus. How was your night, dear? Charlie, the <laughs> presents were all delivered, except for two. <laughs> oh my garland, this is amazing. What'd you get, Nick? Congratulations, my boy. It's time to start your Santa training. Try it on. I'm not sure this fits. It will fit you when you fit it. So I want to talk to you about things that we face in our lives that makes it easier for us to say no when we really need to say yes. We'll talk about excuses that we make. And the first excuse that I want to bring up was at the end of this clip. He said, I don't think the hat fits. 
And his father, Santa Claus, said, it will fit you when you fit it. So the first excuse that I know that a lot of people make when God calls them to something is that God doesn't fit into my plans. What, what I've got going on in my life, what I'm trying to make room for, what I'm trying to experience, the things that I'm choosing to do right now, God doesn't fit into my plans. And the problem with that is, God never asks you to change your plans for Him to find a place in your life. And, and usually, our plans are very short-sighted. And the reason we haven't made room for God is because we're thinking about what we want to do this week, or this month, or maybe the next several years, and we think that that's a long time. But see, God, God doesn't measure time like we do. So when God's asking to be part of your life, He's not asking for the next couple of years or the next few months or where you're going to find yourself going to church on Sundays. God's talking about forever. He wants to be part of your life for eternity. And so when God asks you to make room for Him into His life, it is the most important uh, decision that you'll ever make because that's the most important question that you're ever going to have. Will you make room for me in your life? See, Christmas is when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But what's often forgotten is that Jesus' birth didn't just happen. Mary was a virgin. She did not become pregnant by conventional means. It was the Holy Spirit that placed the baby inside of her. But it was all part of God's intentional and His very detailed plan. In Galatians chapter 4 with verse 4 and 5 it says, When the right time came, God sent His Son born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that, he, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. In other words, God planned this all along. It didn't just happen. God intentionally sent his son. And, and have you ever prayed and asked God to do something for you and then he didn't just snap right to it and get it done? Uh, see, a lot of people get discouraged when that happens and, and they use it as an excuse to either give up praying Or to believe that prayer really doesn't even work Because I asked God for something and I didn't get it But what most people don't realize Is that God's plan has always included your lack of faith it's always included your flaws. God's plan for your life has always included the fact that you wouldn't always get the answers right to the test. That sometimes you'll disappoint yourself, sometimes you'll disappoint God. And none of that ever surprised Him. You'll fit it when it fits you. And sometimes it takes you longer to fit. Sometimes you make more mistakes than you'd like to admit. Sometimes you lose your temper when you wish you did. You thought you had your temper under control. And then something plucked that last nerve. You, you thought that you was over that old heartbreak. And then you saw a picture that reminded you of it on Facebook. And all those emotions come flooding back into your spirit again. You thought that you uh, were, were going to pray every day. You made a dedication. You were going to read your Bible every day. You made a devote. And, and something happened. And now you look back and it's been weeks since you spent any time with God. And you feel guilty. And you feel messed up. And you feel like a misfit. But God took all of those flaws that you have into consideration when He made you and when He called you. And none of that took Him by surprise. But here's the thing. It will fit you when you fit it. Some of the things you're praying and asking God for, you're not ready for. You always feel ready before God knows that you're ready. See, uh, some of us at 14 would have asked Mom for the keys to the car. And thought it would have been a blessing if she would have obliged. But everybody else on the road is glad mom made you wait a while. Because just because you get a blessing, if you get your blessing too soon, it not only harms you, but it can harm other people. And just like the movie said, it will fit you when you fit it. You've got some growing up to do. Aren't you glad that you never mature to the point where God's not able to teach you something new? That, that, that you haven't ever just arrived and you understand everything about God. But, but in our next clip, we're going to find out Santa is gone. And Nick, his son, is in Santa training to take over the job. 
But you're going to see things don't come very natural to Nick. This is not going well at all, dear. Dashard nearly broke an antler, and we're way, way behind schedule at the workshop. You need to do your job and give your brother some Christmas spirit, or else we're not going to be ready for Christmas. The Book of Santa, I've read it, I've memorized it, I've, I've listened to it on tape, I just don't get it. Okay, well, we are gonna read it together and we're gonna figure this out. Let's start at the top. <laughs> well, the top is chimney access, that's funny. The chimney will expand when you tap three times with the magical candy cane and sing the first line of We Wish You a Merry Christmas, assuming that you stay in key. Hold your reindeer. Yeah. How am I supposed to know which is the right present to give each child? If I haven't determined who's naughty or nice, how can I pick their present? You see, it's kind of a vicious circle. Okay, this is the list. It's filled with names. Some are nice and some are naughty. Some of the names haven't been filled in yet. And that's gonna be your job, okay? Dad always said it's not about what the kid looks like, it's what's in the inside that's important. You really need to connect with their heart. Oh, I love that. How's that done? I have no idea. I just focus really hard, I guess. Okay. Uh, nice. She cheated on every math test she ever took. That stocking full of coal if I've ever seen one. Yeah. He saved a kitten from a tree after visiting his grandmother in the nursing home. Some nice. As you can see in this clip, he was judging the children by the way they looked. But it's what's on the inside that matters the most. Because he was supposed to connect to their heart, not by what they look like. This is a problem that we all battle. Everyone in this room has a tendency to make a quick decision on a person's character based on nothing more than what we can see when we look at them. Or their situation. And you know as well as I'm standing up here, I don't care how churchy you are, you have looked at someone and said, well, if they would have got their stuff together just a little bit better, they wouldn't be in that situation. Am I the only one that's thought that? Or if they would have done this, or if they would just look like this, then they wouldn't have that person to talk about them. Just take a look at the first Christmas in Bethlehem. And that stable was born Jesus the most important person that ever lived, and his mother was an unwed teenager. Of course, we know all the details of how this happened according to God's plan, and the angels that visited her and Joseph, but the people in Bethlehem that night, they did not. They knew nothing about what had happened to Mary and Joseph. How easy it is to jump to conclusions by the way that we look at another person's life. See, we don't know what God has called someone to do. We don't, we don't know how God is dealing with someone else. All we see is what they're doing on the outside. We don't know what their internal struggles are. We don't know what they're dealing with on the inside, but God does. Because I promise you, every day, you are surrounded by prejudices. There are people who discriminate based on economics. There's people who discriminate based on your gender, based on your age, and based on if you've had enough education or not. Am I not speaking the truth this morning? And these discriminations travel in every direction. Poor people discriminate towards rich people, and young people can be prejudiced towards old people, and vice versa. Men can look down on women, and women can think that all men are the same way. How much better would the world be if we saw everyone the way that God does? How much better would we treat one another in the body of Christ if we saw each other the way that God sees us? This scene should confront us on how we judge people, even when you think that you don't. Think about it. If we treat people the same way the world does, what evidence is there that we have experienced Christ and the Holy Spirit? 
we supposedly have discovered the love of God, right? When we get saved and, you know, you feel something that you've never felt before. It's like exciting and exhilarating and you, and you want, how can God love me? Am I the only one standing here this morning? You know how you used to talk, how you used to act, and you say, how can God love me? And we've experienced that from the Holy Spirit. We are supposed to discover the love of God, which is very life-changing. And there should, should be evidence of how we treat people when we've experienced the love of God. In our next clip, Nick has ran away from the North Pole because he doesn't think that he can handle being Santa. Noel tracked him to Phoenix, Arizona, and she took the sleigh to find him. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, his cousin Gabe has took over the job and is making some changes. Santa, we're still not clear how you plan to deliver billions of presents with no sleigh or reindeer. First of all, there aren't actually billions of presents, Elder Elf Abe. Our research indicates that there are only 2,837 nice children in the world. Gabe, how is that possible? Nearly every child fibbed, refused to eat their vegetables, or failed to practice proper dental hygiene. Joy to the world except for you, because you forgot to floss. No, you can't measure a child like that. Everyone makes mistakes. Which is why each naughty child will be receiving an evaluation notice explaining the decision and encouraging them to do better next year. I was on. Tell them back there. Mrs. Claus reminds Gabe, who is going to be uh, the new Santa because Nick ran away to Phoenix, Arizona. She reminds him that everybody makes mistakes. And he said, well, that's why we're going to send an evaluation to encourage him to do better next year. And that's a lot like the, some of the churches I've been in. That when you come in and try to fit in, uh, they give you an evaluation. And they let you know everything that is wrong with you and why you don't fit in, and then they encourage you to get it right before you come back. And here at Promise of Victory, we don't want to give that image to people. As a matter of fact, our three core beliefs here are everybody's somebody, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. And the reason that we want to let everybody know that is because we don't want hurting people to hurt more. We don't want broken people to feel more broken when they come to the place of healing. We, we don't want messed up people and lonely people to feel like they're not good enough to fit in. But because that's one of the excuses a lot of people use today why they say no to God. Because we want everybody to know it's never been about how bad you were. It's always been about how good He is. And His good will always be greater than your bad. Amen. So, the entire message of Christmas is that none of us were good enough. None of us could gain salvation for ourselves. So Jesus Christ had to come and be born of a virgin to take our place. Because none of us were good enough. He lowered himself to our level because we could never reach up to his. So whenever we see mistakes on other people, instead of pointing out What's wrong with them? Let's let that be a reminder to us of the grace that is on our lives. Because with all the mistakes that you see on them, can you imagine how many God sees on you, and yet He chose to love you anyway? He, he chose to make sure that you felt His love. But the Bible says that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That even though you did not know Him, he knew you, and he came chasing after you when you weren't looking for him. So in our next clip, Noel is finally able to find her brother, Nick, and tries to talk him into coming back to the North Pole to become Santa, but it's not going to be easy. 
mind block. Yeah, the heat here, right? Yeah, it's like being locked in the cookie cottage during Toll House season, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, you oh, scared oh. me so much. Come on. Yoga voice, yoga voice. You brought me worried yoga sick. Voice. Mom's been yoga voice, stop, stop, stop. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay? Just hold on. Can't let anybody here. Listen, I like it here. Okay, I like the weather. I, I I like yoga. I mean, I donated all my thermals to charity. Weird. You can tell me all about it in the sleigh. No, no listen, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going back. I'm sorry. I must have cotton candy in my ears. I know. I can't. I can't pretend to be someone I'm not anymore. I mean, I could, but I start to break out in a rash, and my hair starts. Okay, Nick. I understand, you know? You're under a lot of pressure, and I know what it's like to be a Kringle, this family legacy we have to live up to. Not exactly the same thing. Well, I am Santa's daughter, so... Well, no one's ever expected anything of you, Noelle. I mean, I I've been training to be Santa my whole life. Well, you've been, what, cutting ribbon and, and making your silly cards? I thought you liked my cards. Nick told Noel, no one has ever expected anything of you. That's what he just said to her. People handle pressure differently, don't we? We all handle pressure differently. Some people fold and run and hide, and some people, they thrive in it when, when they're put under pressure. And it's one of the reasons that people say no to things because they can't handle the pressure. It's not sometimes that they don't want to do it. It's because they can't handle it. Can you imagine the pressure that was put on Mary? I mean, a young, unwed teenager was asked to give birth to the Son of God. When you say that out loud, and I, I once had someone tell me, that story just sounds completely ridiculous. They weren't a Christian, but that's what they said to me. How is that even possible? And I don't have an answer other than it's hard to wrap your mind around God. It's hard to wrap your mind around faith and even believing that something like that can happen. But the Bible also says we have to believe in what we don't see, right? She hadn't even started living her life yet. And an angel, angel appears to tell her how she's going to become pregnant with the Savior of the world. And all of humanity will be blessed by your sacrifice. Can you imagine the pressure? All of humanity is going to be blessed by your yes. By your yes. Talk about expectations. In the world today, there doesn't seem to be a lot of people willing to be responsible for their choices or their actions. A great many people want to live a life carefree, void of any accountability or consequences of their words or actions, even people who say they love God. Maybe your teachers or your family never thought that you would amount to much. Perhaps people even told you your entire life, you were a misfit. You are never going to amount to anything. You're never going to live up to their standards. And I know in a room this size that there were people that probably heard that growing up. But the truth about the Christmas message is God has high expectations. His love for us is so powerful that he knows that it's going to transform you into someone that you never dreamed possible. Because if you can figure it out, God can't. it's not God that did it, right? We're never going to be able to figure him out. We don't see how it's possible because we don't know what love is, and he does. His love is so deep, and it's devoted, and his love is committed, and it's sacred. We think that we know what love is, and we have a measure of love. You know, you love the person you're sitting beside of today. You love your friends. You love your family. If you're married this morning, you love them a little deeper than you do your friends and your family. And then your kids is a whole nother, whole nother issue. And so if you can imagine as much as you love your child this morning, if you have a child, how much more that God loves us. And we can only understand a certain measure of love. God thinks that you can do anything and everything that he's planned for you. And I know you sitting there this morning can't imagine doing it. And we can't wrap our mind around doing anything and everything that God has planned for us, but God believes in you. Mary couldn't conceive how it was possible for her to live up to God's expectations, but once the angel gave her the plans, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. God has plans for you, but you have to be the willing servant. 
God has great plans for you. He has it written. He knows the end before he already knew the beginning of your life. He knew when you was going to be formed in your mother's womb. But you have to be the willing servant. God will not make you do anything that you're not willing to do or give up or sacrifice for him. You should begin every day reminding yourself that if God loves me, I'm loved. If God is for me, it doesn't matter if everybody else is against me, if I'm talked about, if people are going to criticize me and scandalize my name. If God's for me, I'm going to win. If God says that I can do something, I can do it. And I can do it because he said so and he's with me. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Can I come in? Uh, sure, Aunt Polly. Thank you. Or should I say, Elf Polly? Sit. Now, I see she told you, and I see that you don't believe her. That she lives in the North Pole? No, I, I tend to believe what I can see. Well, if that's the only problem. Oh, you should get that looked at. Let me ask you a question, detective. Can you see love? Can you see sorrow? Can you see joy? Is there anything realer than that? Like what you feel for your boy? So in this clip, Jake is having a hard time believing that Noel is who she says she is. She said she's Santa's sister, that she flew the sleigh from the North Pole, that Polly is an elf. He's having a hard time because, as he says, I tend to believe what I can see. See, unbelievable news is hard to swallow, right? And, and this is another excuse that people use to tell God no because they say, if I can't see it, I can't believe it. Polly reminds Jake, there's all kinds of things you believe in that you can't see, like joy and love. And the Bible even talks about the wind, how it comes from a place we don't know where it comes from, and it leaves and goes to a place and we don't know where it goes to. And that's all faith is. Faith is believing in things that are real, but even though you can't see them, you believe in them in your heart. Like when the angel appeared to Mary, the angel said, you're going to have a child. Her question was, how can it be? And, and there's a lot of things in life that you're going to go through, that God will take you through, and it's his intention. It's not the devil attacking you. It's not even your own poor decisions. There are things that God will take you through and not give you a preview. See, every week before we show the movie, we show you what's called the trailer. That's a preview of what's to come. That is a teaser that they put out before the movie is ever released so that you'll see it and be intrigued by it and want to see what's to come. God doesn't give you trailers about what he's about to take you through. He doesn't give you a preview. As a matter of fact, a lot of what happens to you just shows up in the moment and you have to deal with it in real time. You don't get warnings ahead of time. And a lot of things you go through, you don't even realize you were going through it because you were fighting so hard. You don't even realize you were going through it until it's over. Have you ever been around a kid, a little kid, that's just full of questions? Just me? Like, I mean important questions. Like, hey, 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 why is the sky blue? And you try to be real, real philosophical because you want to show them that you're older and wiser. You say, I don't know, maybe because the grass is green and God wanted us to know where one stops and the other one begins. And you think that's going to be the end of it. But they're just full of questions like, uh, well, how does cows give milk? I, I, I don't know. Why is water wet? I, I, I don't know. What's the wind made from? 
I, I don't know. Why do you get that look on your face when I ask you questions? I don't, I don't know. Why don't you know anything? <laughs> Anybody been around that kid? Believe it or not, we do the same thing to God. Because when God brings us something in our life and we're presented with a situation that we're not prepared for, our first question is always, why? And then we ask, how? How can I fix this? How long is this going to last? How am I going to get out of this? So if you don't get an answer to the why, then you start asking the how. How, how long is it going to take me to get married? How, how long is it going to take me to find another job? How long is it going to take me to find a place to live? We keep asking all these questions. And there's a reason. There's a reason he does not give you the answers to your problems and the preview. Let me help you. Psalm 46 tells us that God is a present help in time of what? Need. Trouble. He's a present help when you feel need, when you feel trouble. In other words, if there was never a time in your life when you felt trouble, God would always feel distant. And He doesn't want to be distant from you. He wants to draw close to you. He wants to have you in His presence and Him be part of your life. So there are times in your life and seasons of your life where God will intentionally cause you to feel need and cause you to endure trouble because that's when He's the closest. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. His, his name will be called Jesus Emmanuel, which means God is with us. He is closest to you when you are feeling trouble the most. So He doesn't give you trouble or let you go through trouble to make you feel far away from him no he does it so you'll feel closer to him and he doesn't give you the details of what is coming but he tells you who is coming and so that's why trouble should never make you fear child of God when you feel fear coming on you because of trouble or need or lack or discouragement you ought to lift your head and say I know who is coming I don't know what is on the way, but I know who is on the way. And who is more important than what? Because when I feel trouble, he is coming close to me. And that is going to make it worth it after all. In our last clip that we're about to watch, things don't go as expected. Nick just gives up the idea of being Santa because he knows he's not Santa material. And Noel discovers that she is, and she leaves on Christmas Eve to go out and deliver all the toys. Dad always said you never forget your first Christmas as Santa. Okay, he said it to Nick, but I overheard it, and oh my garland, was he right. I hoped he'd be proud of me. Everyone at home had come around to the idea of a girl Santa. out, I didn't have to worry. Well, guess who came to town? <laughs> namaste, sis. Uh, namaste. Congratulations, Santa. And the infrared Santa goggles, which allow you to detect any lasers between you and a tree. Very impressive, Gabe. Have we come up with anything to deal with big, mean dogs? Oh, just this bone. Okay, keep working. And as for me, I mean, I'm Santa. It's great. Oh, keep it coming. Thanks, Santa. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, letter from Jake and Alex, everybody. Alex is into music now, so uh, Slow Cooker is out and Drum Kit is in, and throw in a pair of noise-canceling headphones for Dad. Great. When I was a little girl, Christmas Eve was always the best night of the year. But this time, it was better than ever. Because instead of getting the presents, I was giving them. In this clip, we see that the real meaning of Christmas is like the real meaning of life. It's better to give than to receive. Isn't that the truth? The world is obsessed with having more, but God is kind and he's generous 
And he wants us to be more like him. Most people live their entire lives feeling that they need more stuff or we need different stuff because if I have this thing, it's going to make me happy. Or if I get that new car, it's going to make me happy. Or if I finally get my own house instead of renting that apartment, it's going to make me happy. Never, but God wants us to delight in him. Not the things around us, not what we can get, but what we can give. And we delight in him. Never is this more on display than at Christmas time. We've taken the story of God's greatest gift to the world and turned it into a reason to expect more and more and more. And this doesn't have anything to do with how much money you make. You can be godly and rich and be ungodly and rich. God is generous to us all, but we don't all show the same generosity. Some people are not generous back to God or others. They don't share anything. Some people have more than they can even use, and they're not even looking for an opportunity to meet a need. How many of you know people like that? You know that people can meet needs and they don't, and vice versa. Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart is. And he also says, you know what? You can learn about who you are by looking at how you spend your money. Because you can tell me, I love my family. Are you generous towards your family? You can also say, I love God. Okay. Are you generous towards God? Living a life of generosity is not just a, a Christmas thing. It's a way of life. And for anyone that God has been generous to, people say no to being generous because they use the excuse, and I've heard it my whole life, I don't have enough. I only have enough to take care of me and my family. I don't have enough to help anyone else. But generosity has never, ever been an amount it's always been an attitude. Amen. So this morning we've used this movie and the scriptures to talk about several excuses that we all use to say no to God. And I know in a crowd this size that this has resonated with somebody that you... You know what it's like to tell God, you don't fit into my life right now. Or, I need to see it before I can believe it. Or, this is not what I had planned for myself. I can't do that religious thing. I, I, I'm glad you think that way because I can't do that religious thing either. I don't have religion. I have a relationship. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wrapped himself in flesh and stepped over heaven's balcony and was born as a sacrificial offering for me because he wanted me. There's people in your life that are difficult, but they're part of your life. There's, part of your li there's people in your life that are loving and kind, and they're part of your life because no two people are the same. And God comes along and asks us repeatedly, you make room for me there was an innkeeper and there was no room in the inn you've, you've heard the story and we've sing the songs about holy night and silent night and there was no room for Jesus in the inn but the truth of the matter is most of us don't make enough room for Jesus most of us no matter how much we attend church or no matter how much we read our Bible or pray most of us don't make the room that we really need to for Jesus some of us are doing well right now but you've you went through seasons I've went through seasons where I let other things take priority in my life and I wasn't making enough room for Jesus that's the question he asks is there any room for me in your life because he won't take second place he, he won't allow us to worship other gods above him he says I want to be your all in all I want to be the thing that pro provides for you, that blesses you. But more importantly, I want to be the Savior that sets you free and liberates you. So a lot of you have tried a lot of other things. And some of you have tried religion. 
I'm not asking you to try religion. I'm asking you if you'll say yes to making room for Him in your life. Because religion will leave you dry. Religion will leave you in bondage. Religion will leave you under the law. But saying yes to giving Him room in your life, that sets you free. That brings sight to the blind and strength to the weak. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if there's anybody in here that would consider making room for Him in your life this morning. Because the most important question you'll ever ask, answer in your life is will you accept me as your Savior? That's, that's the most important question. It's not will you marry me? It's not uh, will, you, uh, will you take the keys to the car? It, it's not uh, will you accept this uh, entry into college? The most important question that you'll ever answer is will you accept me as your Savior? Jesus is looking for somebody to make room for Him in this Christmas season and even right now. And I know some of you have probably done it before. You've prayed to prayers. Maybe you've got baptized in water. Maybe you were raised in church. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm not asking if you've got your name in a membership role somebody, somewhere in, in a church. I, I'm not asking you if when you check the box on your application and it says, uh, what is your religious preference and you put Christian. I'm not asking you any of that. I'm asking you, have you said no to God more than you have yes? And if today you turn that around. Because he sent me here to specifically ask somebody say yes to me today pastor if I if I raise my hand if I if I say that I'm not as close to God as I pretend to be then people's going to judge me now we already talked about that that's one of the excuses people make for not saying yes to God because they're afraid of what other people might think but the truth is you're sitting amongst a bunch of misfits and the very message of Christmas is this none of us was good enough and we're still not good enough that's why we all need Jesus every one of us need Jesus he was born for all of us because none of us was worthy so is there anybody here this morning that says I need to make room for him in my life I'd ask you to slip your hand in the air right now. I already see hands going up. Look, look, there's hands everywhere. I need to make room for you, Jesus. I need, I need to make room for you in my life. I need to make room for you in my life. I, I know that I have put other things ahead of you. I know that there's things that I have prioritized. I know that there are times that when trouble comes, I have a hard time. If I can't see it, I have a hard time believing it. I, I know that sometimes I'm selfish. And self-centered when I should be generous given to my family giving more time to you God giving more time to my health and I become self-centered sometimes I put up walls and I don't allow you or anybody else to get in I need to make room for you there's been seasons of my life and God I'm in one right now where I realize that there are things that I have put my eyes on that has taken my focus off of you and I need to put you back at the center of my life forgive me Father, forgive me, Jesus. Help me make room for you. I see today that I need you. And if that's you, that you place your hand in the air, I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now to fill your heart. That you'll never be the same again. That even though you're never going to be perfect, today marks the day where you prioritized God over everything else in your life. Where you made room for Jesus and put Him first. I'm not asking you to, to do a whole lot of religious ceremony. I'm just asking you to open your heart and your spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to come in and do a work in you right now. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, and through the work of your Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to touch every hand 
that, came, that went up this morning with a clear heart. Every person in this room and everyone watching by live stream that has indicated that they need to make room for you in their life, God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill them and repair what has been broken and wounded, help what has been hurt, and most importantly, draw them close to you. I want the Holy Spirit today to fill their lives so that they have no room for anything else. Not in this moment, not right now. God, I'm asking you to just permeate their being to the point where they can't feel anything but your love and your acceptance and how much you desire to have them in your presence. Fill them right now with your Holy Spirit till they're full and overflowing and they will never again question whether you're real and whether you love them. Do this work, Holy Spirit. Do this work and bring people home. Do this work and help them to know you on a greater level. In the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray and ask. Amen. And amen. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? We've all practiced saying no enough. We've all made excuses. But will you say yes? And trust me, this is not something you just say yes to in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning. You're going to have to say yes every day for the rest of your life. I've been doing this a long, long time. And I still, every day, have choices and decisions to make. Every day, I can still make excuses. That means every day, I still have to say yes. Yes, I will be obedient. Yes, I will pray. Yes, I will love my enemy. Yes, I will get in the Word. Yes, I will attend church. Yes, I will leave my old life and walk into the newness of life. Yes, I will love Jesus above everything else. Yes, I will let God have His way with me. Yes, I will forsake all the things that I thought was important because I have found the one true thing that means more to me than everything else. And His name is Jesus. And He wants nothing but good for me. Yes, I will. Can you practice that this morning? Yes, I will. He said, Mary, will you? She said, yes, I will. He said, Joseph, will you? And he says, I had other plans. I had another, I had something else that I desired to do, but yes, God, I will. And you're going to have to do that for the rest of the time that you, that you draw air here on earth. You'll have to constantly rededicate yourself. Because listen, some of you are saying, I tried that before and it didn't work. Yeah, we all have. And if he don't come get me real quick, it's not going to work again for me. Because I'm still me. As much as I love Jesus, I'm still me. And I'll let him down again and I'll fail him again. But that's when I turn back around and say, I'm going to say yes again. I made a mistake. I said no. I failed. I messed up. But here I am again, Lord. I say yes again. Put me back on the right track. Get me straight again. Help me again. Say yes all over and all over and all over. And here's the best thing. You're not alone. You're in a room full of misfits, and we all realize that none of us are perfect. And we're all going to be pulling the same direction, trying to reach the same destiny. Amen? Jesus loves you so much. Don't, don't let religion tell you that you're unlovable. Don't let your failures convince you that you have gotten so far out of left field that God, God can't bring you home. Just say yes. Just say yes. You don't have to know a whole bunch of Bible scriptures. You don't have to know a whole bunch of theology. All you have to do is know when I get in trouble and when I make mistakes, I just say yes. Will you be whole today? Just say yes. Will you be made new today? Just say yes. Will you come back into fellowship with God today? Just say yes. If you need to come to this altar, you're not alone. Just say yes. Some of you need to come down and make a whole new dedication today. And make this Christmas the Christmas that my whole life was opened up because I said yes. Won't you come?
won't you come?